0: Um, my, my suspicion, uh, as we celebrate Christmas uh, across the globe today, um, is that I think that this photo uh, might be really relevant uh, to a lot of the world um, this morning. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a wrapped car, boys and girls. I, I hope that today maybe one of you got a present like this. Um, if you didn't, you must just speak to mommy and daddy. It's a very nice present to get. Um, but I, I want to tell you a story uh, that is significant in my life uh, around this uh, rap vehicle. So my, my mom and dad had celebrated 30 years uh, of being married uh, together. And on their anniversary occasion, my, my mom had this real desire to, to give my dad uh, like one of the greatest gifts that she could ever give him. Uh, it wasn't her um, getting married to him. No, no, it, it was an Opal Corsa Bucky. Now now, ladies, you may not understand this, but but to receive an, an Opal Corsa bucky for, for, for a man, you see, this is one of the greatest gifts that you can ever get. Uh, you see, when you sit in a bucky and, and the engine gets started and, and you drive and the window is down and the wind is blowing in your in your face, there's there's this really magical feeling, you see. And then when you look back and you see your dog, you know, a man's best friend, no longer in the car where the hair is going everywhere, but in the back, and the tongue is out in the wind, it's like you have this real bonding moment, you know. And then, and then you know, being my dad's son, I'm kind of sitting in the passenger seat with, with the left arm out, and, and we share this dad-son moment, and, and then the car stops, you see, and then you get the smell of cut grass because here yeah, you've cut the lawn and, and, and the bags now, you see, fold with this grass, not in the car, it's in the back on the outside. As you enjoy this ride to, 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 to the dumping ground, now, now, now you, you may not get this, but this is what we call a holy moment. You, you see, this is, this is more of a significant experience than, than church. Well, my mom knew and she tapped into this desire and she She had read the adverts and she emptied the coffers and she bought my dad this car at at great cost to herself, you see. And she organized this family event and my dad knew that it was uh, their anniversary and he knew that we were gonna celebrate this event as a family and have sundowners at at this um, place called the Corner Cafe. So we were all there dressed up and my dad came in after work, and and this vehicle is is wrapped, not only wrapped, it's wrapped in red, you see. And he walked straight past it. And the chair was positioned right next to it, and he sat down, and, and we were all looking at him, you know, kind of giggly in our hearts, and and. And I think the windows were down. Just in case you missed it, you could smell, you know, the smell of of a new car. And so we all, I think, and I'm speaking in hyperbole, went, can you smell that? You know? And my dad just didn't see it. And so 10 minutes went by, and 30 minutes went by, and an hour went by, and I think my dad even put his arm You know, on the back of 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 the vehicle, and we thought this this is the moment. You know, and then I think he even put his drink there, and the and the sweat of of the of the cup kind of was starting to damage uh, the 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 wrapping paper. And I mean, the, the the waitresses and the waiters and everybody was in on it, and he missed it, and we were all thinking in our hearts, like, can you not just? It, kick it. You can taste it. You know what I mean? It's, it's like it's, it's that close to you that this, this gift that is going to change your life. And he missed it completely. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. I know that you sit here and, and you say, like, like I did, if that happened to me, I. I would never do that. I would never walk past a wrapped car celebrating a special momentous occasion where the key is in front of me and it is even on the table and everyone is laughing with nervous giggle for about two or three hours. I I would never miss that. I, I really, I mean... I know the names that you're thinking about in your conscience here, about my dad, and you can't think such things because we are in a religious place, you know, and, we, and we're here to, to, to love one another, but let me tell you that we are not too dissimilar from this corner cafe moment and from what happened to my dad that day. You see, John was a guy who lived closely to Jesus. He, he, he witnessed his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And at about the age of of between 71 and 90 years old, he writes this account called the Gospel of John. And and he writes it as one who has pastored people. He he may have been pastoring the seven churches in Ephesus, uh, I mean, in in modern-day Turkey at this point. He, He may have been exiled to an island called Patmos at this point. But he had life experience. And he writes this about how people have interacted with Jesus over the years that he's been alive. And in his experience, many, many, many people missed it, completely missed the gift that our Father in heaven had given to them, had given to me, had given to us, had given to you. And so he says these words. Guys, this is an eyewitness account, and Jesus was in the world. You see, this isn't fairy tale or fable. This is fact. And when you read his account, you can research the places, the locations, the names of of the Caesars, uh, of the governors, uh, of the religious rulers, uh, of the 12 disciples that were John's friends. And the way that John describes these characters, I mean, he makes them look really, really bad. I mean, he makes Peter look bad, he makes Matthew look bad. He, why would you do that? He makes himself look bad. Why would you do that if you were making this thing up? John says, guys, Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, and that, that assumption and that line should take our breath away. How can you say that, John? And though the world was made through him, that he's the inventor, that he's the creator, that he was a part of creating you and I and all that we see. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And like my dad, being in proximity to one of the greatest unexpected gifts of grace he could ever receive, he didn't recognize it. John says that this is such a real reality when it comes to our interaction with Jesus, this gift given to us by our Father in heaven. I remember my wife and I, we went away with some friends, and we went to this game reserve, and we were at this waterhole, and there were hippos and little bookies, and they came down, and, and, um, and there were crocodile, and, and you know, those settings can often be quite romantic, and now we weren't the only people that, that were around this dam, you see. And, and one of um, my friends, uh, she didn't have her contact lenses in. And so uh, in this romantic moment, she, she leant over to steal, you know, a kiss. And as she went in for the kiss, she opened her eyes and she said these words, you're not my husband, <laughs> to, to which um, I almost rolled with laughter into the dam uh, and, and her husband uh, didn't know really where to hide. And this poor man, uh, having this woman kind of just uh, jump uh, him, didn't know what to do with himself. And you see, she didn't have her lenses and she saw dimly and, 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 and she almost gave a peck to someone who, who wasn't her husband because she didn't recognize him. It's one thing, guys, to, to completely not recognize and miss that Opal Corsa bucky. It's another thing to potentially pick someone who's not your husband. But the greatest mistake we could ever make is not recognizing the gift that God Himself has given us. John says this is a reality that He came to that which was His own. He came to identify as a human with those that He had created, but His own did not receive Him. Imagine my dad. Okay. Imagine him recognizing this gift and then turning to my mom saying, oh, I don't want that. You know, why didn't you get me the Amarok? <laughs> I, I mean, imagine boys and girls, imagine you, 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 you this morning, you saw all these presents around the tree and, and you're like, you just walk straight past it. No, I, I don't want that stuff, mom and dad. And you see, this is how one of the greatest gifts, the greatest gift God has ever given us has been treated. You see, Jesus was rejected in a sense. We don't want your son, Father. We, we don't want his involvement. Don't come and Bible bash me and talk about this Jesus stuff, and I don't want to Bible bash anyone today. But, but in a sense, Jesus is a little bit like a medical doctor. You, know, you go to a medical doctor, and they, and they know the most sort of confidential uh, parts of your life. But no one really wants to be there. But until we are desperate and broken and need help and have nowhere else to turn, that's where we go. And that is how this gift from heaven experienced those that he had created. Is it possible that as we celebrate something that, that sits at the epicenter of our global calendar today, is it possible That as we interact with this idea called Christmas around the birth of this king, that like my dad and like John is saying, we maybe don't recognize what this whole thing is about. It's amazing to me that without money, Jesus conquered more millions than Alexander the Great, than Caesar, than Mohammed and Napoleon. Put together, that without science and learning, he shed more light on things human and divine than all philosophers and scholars combined. That have you ever thought about it, but without the eloquence of school, he spoke such words of life that had never been spoken before or will ever be spoken again. That without writing even one single line, Jesus put more pens in motion and furnished themes for more sermons, discussions volumes, works of art, and songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times. You see, Jesus is significant, and yet potentially, John is saying that although he was in the world, that although he's at work in the world, And although he came to that which he created, his own did not recognize him and his own did not want him. Is that me? Is that you? Is that us? And yet John says in the midst of him engaging with people and pastoring people and talking about what he saw, what he touched, who he ate with. How he saw this man heal and love and show grace and bring reconciliation and speak amazing things. In the midst of that, he said that he did see a few respond and recognize this gift. yet to all who did receive him. Now, I don't know if you're, you're like me, but um, you know, it's funny at this time of year that all of Joburg, they, they want to come to Durban because we've got great beaches and we've got the sea and and so my whole family, for the first time, they are here for Christmas. Not for me, but because they want to enjoy, you know, the coast and they need a place to crash. So anyway, there's like 15 lunatics and kids or whatever in the house and we're all trying to find a place to sleep. But the first thing that you do is that you show them your house. You know, this is where Riley sleeps. This is where Joshy stays. This is is Maddie's room. You, You know, then it gets a little bit more private and and then, mom and dad, or Kirst and I, we, we show them our bedroom. They want to see everything, you know. So then we show them, like, the bathroom. And, and then you, Kirst, did you pack that away? And did you pack this away? And did you, you make it look all clean, you know? But you receive them, you, you welcome them all the way. They want to see every part of our lives. Now, imagine if my brother, and he can do this, guys, he, he says to Kirst, who's my wife, you know, Kirst. I really think you should change the decor of this house. You know, you should put the couch there and those curtains aren't quite nice and you should make changes here. You see, Kirsten's nose will bend out of joint and what she will do, if you don't know my wife, let me help you know her. You see, my brother will be sleeping on the street uh, for the rest of Christmas. And even if he rings the bell, she she won't let him in. But this is what John is saying. He's saying that there were some And he wants us to receive Jesus that way. To to say, come into the home of my life. Every single room. I want you to be a part of the boardroom. I want you to be a a, a part of the family discussions. I want you to be a part of the bedroom. I want you to have a say on my bank account. I, I want you to have a say in terms of the desires and what's going on in my heart. Lord, I want you to guide and give direction and forgive I want all of you, I want to receive you, your instruction, your lordship, everything. Yet yet to those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. Now for the original audience reading this piece of literature, those words to those who believed in his name, they should take our breath away. Because in this context and in this culture, Israel, when they thought about having a relationship with God, it was all about obeying God the law. It was all about keeping rules. It it was all about, was I good enough today? Oh no, I wasn't good enough today. Like a daisy theology, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. And John says, because of Jesus, to those who would receive this gift, to those who would believe in this gift, that this man, he comes and he says, I want to be your Lord, and I will do the work that you can't do. I will live the life that you're never going to be able to live, I'm going to die the death that you should have died, but I'm going to die in your place. I am going to do the work that you can't do so that you can be right with my Father in heaven, so that you can be reconciled for eternity with my Father in heaven. Those who receive and believe, not achieve. You see, when you look at the cosmetic industry, when you look at our secular world, when you look at your working environment, when you look at academic spheres, when you look at various religions, if, if you want to explore those options looking for a spiritual experience, they all revolve around that one word, achieve. You need to perform, you need to be better, you need to be faster, you need to sell more, you need to be prettier, you need to be stronger, you need to be all of these things, you need to do, 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 in order to be accepted, in order to be loved, in order to be reconciled, in order to be promoted, in order to jump through the exhausting hoops of life so that you can make it. You see, it's all around that word achieve. And you look at our medical industry distributing uh, polls second to none, where people are medicating exhaustion and depression and anxiety at a rate that we have not seen in an era before. And Jesus comes and he turns this idea on its head. And he says, Those who would receive me and those who would believe in me, not achieve, not perform in order to get the love of God and the favor of God, anyone who would just recline and rest in that, that I will do what I've promised. He says, to those people, John said, he gave the right to become children of God. Another remarkable statement. This is the language of adoption. I don't know if any of you have adopted a little boy or a little girl, but, but adoption is a picture of sheer grace. That child could not do anything to earn favor or merit. Absolutely nothing. No works, no performance, no achieving. It's an act of grace, and John is saying, many people, like my dad, they, they missed this gift and have missed this gift, but there were those who, who took a step back and said, you know, there must be something to this man, Jesus, and I wanna receive him, and I believe that he will do on my behalf what he says he's gonna do, and to those people, he has given the right to become children of God. Now the audience that John is writing to, they would not even have allowed to refer to God as Father. They would have been scared to say the name Yahweh on their lips. They would have known about the stories that when you approach a holy God on a mountain, you get consumed and you die. That if you are living a life of suffering, it's because you've been a bad person. The gift from heaven in Jesus changes Everything to those who receive and believe. He gives this right to be a child. You know, my daughter uh, yesterday, as we are sitting around this big family, uh, family table eating together, she, she's three years old. She's a little bit spunky and edgy and, and full of fire. She's probably never gonna fit in circles like this. You know, she's she got a lot of edge. And she kind of walks up to the table and she goes, Dad, Dad, can I sit at the head of the table? And my response was, of course you can, my baby. You can sit here. Now, my family, their noses are still out of joint, you know, around this because of hierarchy and history and whatever. But because she's my child, she can be cheeky. She can have, she's got freedom. There's security. She knows that she's loved to the absolute core by sheer grace That is the kind of relationship that our Father in heaven wants to have with us so badly that he would come into the world that he created, that he would identify with those that he made, that he would be born, that he would live, that he would die, that he'd be resurrected and he'd say, receive me, receive this gift and I give you the right to become my child and you can address me as father, as daddy, as Abba father. Father. My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I mean, this is breathtaking stuff. And so, as we think about Christmas today, my big question is how how do I know? How do I know as I sit at the corner cafe around this gift? how, How do I know if I've recognized or not? The words that John speaks about are very, very important because they give us characteristics of where we might find ourselves today. Words like, I don't recognize, it might be blurry. It might be on the outside. You might be participating in this thing called Christmas where the world stops and they celebrate a strange birth with with what sounds like fairy tales. And for you, it might be blurry. You know, why are we doing this? Maybe you're here today because someone dragged you along because mom and dad are here. Or, or maybe you're here because this is what the culture does. You see, we just we got to come to some strange service. I was at this international um, airport the other day in Dubai. And, and on the way back from my international travels, you see, what, what good husbands are supposed to do is they're supposed to buy a thank you gift to, to their wife and to their kids uh, for, for kind of picking up the tab while, while the husband's away and says, Oh, honey, my, my trip was so difficult, but thank you. While well, things at home were way more difficult. So, anyway, I'm in this airport and I'm, I'm walking through. And before I get to the gifts, I, I like stopping off in the, in the kind of tech area uh, because I'm, I'm interested in these speakers, you know. And, and there's this one company called Boast and they make amazing speakers. I never buy these things, but I look at them, you know. And it is so strange in Christmas time that the song that Casey led us in around fall at, falling at your knees, Lord. That, that, that you've come to liberate oppression, that, that you've come to reconcile us, that you love us, that, that, that we worship you and honor you. You see, this song was being played out of these both speakers in a predominantly Islamic area. And these people around me are just carrying on with their shopping. And these words are, are like having an effect in my heart and I'm, I'm almost wanting to sob. And so I thought, geez, I'm gonna take an evangelistic Gapya and I go to the attendant, and I'm like, how loud does this thing play? You know, can you like crank it up so that we can fall on our knees and worship? But, but it was blurry. It was it was dim. The, the people couldn't see, couldn't hear, didn't understand, didn't recognize. Other words that, that John uses are, are reject. My arms are closed, like don't don't Bible bash me. I, I don't want this Jesus stuff and this guy and I don't want to Bible bash anyone but but there's a it's a reflection of our hearts. There's a I don't want him in my home in every area of my life. This word achieve. Look at your life, the, the bass note, the orchestra of your life. Is is that your word? As you end 2019, are you exhausted in your soul? That, that you've just had to jump through academic hoops. Corporate hoops, relational hoops in order to be loved and accepted. It's just, it's just perform, it's just do, it's just more, more, more. But in your soul, you feel like an orphan. You, you don't know if you're loved or not. There's an insecurity. Am I good enough or not? You refer to God as the man upstairs. Hey, pastor, shoot a prayer up there for me. You see, these are the words of, of, of not recognizing this gift, that God has given us. This was my story for 20 years. These words of believing, they became ra- real to me. I-, I researched the history, the names, the places, the, this movement, this strange thing called the church against all odds, the persecution that, that started in Jerusalem, against the persecution of the Roman Empire. Against the barriers of language and tongue and tribe, this thing called the church has just exploded and grown throughout the centuries. That people name their children after the 12 fishermen who followed Jesus. That they name buildings. It's just, I believe the history of it. I believe that, that Jesus lived, that he died, that he re- he's resurrected, that he's alive now, that he's at work. But not only do I believe, I, I receive I want you to be my Lord. I want you to forgive me for my life that I've lived, for the life that I'm going to live. I'm imperfect. I'm going to make mistakes. But you say, Lord, you're the one. Your life and your death, it makes me right with God. You see, we can have this. And there is a sense where I experience that I'm God's child. You see, I can be a little bit cheeky with my Father in heaven. I can approach him at any time. I'm, for most of the part, not scared of dying because I know that he wants an eternal relationship with me. That the deep insecurities that I look for in other avenues have, have, in part, been healed. And so, for me, if I clear the decks this Christmas, would you open that gift? Would you look at this strange person called Jesus and really, really sit with God and say, have, have I recognized, God, all that you've done for me in Christ? You see, there was a moment at that table at Corner Cafe where I spoke, or we spoke plainly to my dad and we said, Dad, this is, this is for you. And I wanna show you one of the top three photos of my dad that, that I'll remember him for forever. When he opened that gift, the, the joy, the, the, the unexpected grace that he just received, the, the happiness. I, I haven't seen my dad in his soul this happy, you know, in a sense. And, and this picture is a picture of how I want to see all of you as you stand before your Father in heaven and you receive this gift today, this baby that we celebrate that you might have a strange, mysterious, transcendent sense of joy, that as you rest in this gift, as you recline, as you stop working and performing, and you just receive and believe, you might experience the sense of sonship and daughtership. And you maybe sit here and you say, Ryan, how can I receive Christ? There's a prayer that I've prayed for years, and I've encouraged others to pray for yours. It's a prayer out of the Psalms. And these are the words, I am yours, save me. You see, this is a prayer of surrender, I'm yours. Jesus, you're the gift that can do what only you can do. I can't save myself, make me right with my Father in heaven. I want your forgiveness, I want the life that you give by the power of your presence. I'm yours, save me. So when you're swimming in the sea, You can pray this prayer, I'm yours, save me. When you're at the table today for lunch, you can just quietly say in your heart, Lord, I'm yours, save me. As we respond in worship now, as we take a moment in the chaos of Christmas, you can say this, honestly, God, I I am yours. Save me. Let's stand together for closing prayers.